Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Great. How are we all doing? We okay? Come on, let's try that again. We okay? Listen, church is to be enjoyed, not endured, okay? So we can laugh this morning. That's okay. I am going to be preaching about 10 reasons why England are going to win the World Cup. Guys, listen, if you were a hater, it's coming home. Football is coming home. I was going to break out into a chorus. I can see people shaking their heads. Listen, you can, you're free to leave <laughs> with, with Stephen. <laughs> <With Han. laughs> I am, of course, joking. But listen, it's great to be here. Um, I don't know a few of you. I know lots of you. But like Stephen said, uh, I'm Josh. You might have saw my wife there, Helen, and we've got our two kids. And it's a pleasure to be here. We are, uh, our pastor in Arena Church, uh, predominantly based across at Ilkeston, but um, it's my pleasure to be here this morning. You'll see us bobbing in and out, and we're just one church in two locations, and that is a privilege of what we get to do here. I just want to say about my mate Stephen, um, me, me and Stephen are like David and Jonathan. Uh, this, is, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is what we've, uh, you know, it's been, been called, we've been known for that, but all joking aside, I just want to say this is a great man of God, and what I love most about Stephen is that he, he's, he's, he's humble, but he's strong as well. And mate, I love that about you. And guys, you've got a leader of character here. You know, he, he's great on the stage and great on the platform. And it's easy to sometimes fake some of those things. But I know that behind the scenes, he's a man of character and I love that. Um, this morning, we're in this series called Do the Hard Things. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been incredibly challenged throughout this series. Now... I know it's been great weather, people have been away, all that sort of stuff. And if you've missed any of the messages over the last few weeks, I'd encourage you to to tap onto podcasts and listen to them because they have been going incredibly deep in me especially. See, the messages we hear here on a Sunday, they're not just to be... uh, to be listened to, they're not just to tickle our ears, they're to be worked out in our lives, aren't they? Not because... You know, the people who are speaking necessarily have great wisdom, but because it's coming from the Word of God. And I just ask this morning again, that you be open to what God's got to say to you from His Word. Ask God, God, what do you want me to apply to my life? How do you want me to change? And if you're new here this morning, listen, kick back and relax and enjoy yourself. But you might be sitting here asking the question, I think it's a good one, like, why should I do the hard things? That's a good question, isn't it? Yeah? Uh, You know, why not take the easy route? Why should I do the hard things? Well, I believe that if you want to live a successful life, if you want to live a big life, if you want to fulfill your purpose and your destiny, doing the hard things is vital. See, it's a principle that's not just worked out in, in Christianity. In the Christian world, this is a godly principle that's worked out in the entire world. You ask any successful business person or sports person or actor or or musician why they are successful and they'll tell you it's because they've done the hard things. They've been disciplined to apply habits to their life that have allowed them to reach the heights of success that they have. Anybody seen this? Do you know what I'm saying? See, it's choosing to learn rather than to stagnate. It's choosing to move forward over comfort. It's choosing to live beyond our feelings. John Maxwell, who's a famous leadership author and speaker, he said this, says, most people have uphill dreams, but downhill habits. 
you have to intentionally turn downhill sliding into uphill climbing. What John Maxwell is saying is this. He says, most people have got big dreams, huge dreams. Can you remember at school, everyone had a big dream, didn't they? Most people, you know, they wanted to be a footballer or like, uh, you know, a pilot or a golfer. That was me. Um, no one else said that. <laughs> just me. Ballerina. No, just Billy Elliot. Um, a lot of people at school, they had big dreams, huge dreams. Start businesses, do all kinds of things. But why did, you know, one in a thousand reach the highest of success that they dreamed about? Because that one in a thousand had the habits that lined up with their dreams. Listen, you need to know this morning, if you were sat here, God has got a huge call over your life. I don't, I don't know where you are right now. It doesn't even matter where you are right now. God has got a plan for you, and it's a purpose, and it's big, and it's huge. And you might say, Josh, you don't know my situation. You don't know where I'm at. I, I don't care where you're at, because listen, God knows where you're at, and he says, I have got a plan for you. Well, if you're sat in here today, God's got a plan for you. But listen, if you want to step into that plan, there's some things that you need to do in your life that are going to get you there and get you to that success. Why was Steve Jobs, you know, why did he change the world through those devices that we have in our hands? Hard work, doing the hard things. Why was David Beckham able to, to knock it into the top bins, like, you know, four, four, four times out of five? Because he'd practiced He'd done the hard things. People left the training ground. David Beckham was out there hours afterwards. If we want to push into success, if we want to live out our God-given purpose, then we're going to have to do the hard things. See, in Arena, we want you to fulfill your potential in Jesus. We want you to live a life that honors God. Because as we honor God, God honors us. This morning, I'm going to speak about doing the hard things with integrity. Now let's go to, to this, um, this like, it's, it's a sermon basically from Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount that we've been looking at and it, it starts in Matthew 5 and ends in Matthew 7. But we're going to look at Matthew 7 verse 13 to start off with and this is from the message version. It says this, Jesus speaking, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires total attention. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a shortcut guy. Like, especially when it comes to driving in the car, I am definitely a shortcut guy. I know there's some of you, you know, it's a nice day, you say to the wife, Let's go the long way around. Like, no! If it's going to take me like 30 seconds quicker, I'm going to go that way. Trust me, that is the case. I'm the guy on Google Maps. I love that thing now where it says, you know, take a, take a minute off your journey and go this way. Yes, I'm tapping it. Please. I, I, I'm a shortcut guy. I like shortcuts. I'm the guy in traffic who's frantically switching lanes, trying to find which way is quickest. Now, inevitably, this normally takes me longer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, why is it that when you're on the motorway, that one lane's like zooming past, you're stuck in this lane, and then you move into that lane, and the other lane moves? It's like infuriating. But if I'm in the car with my wife when we hit traffic, like trying to be, you know, the incredible man of God I am, I'll, uh, 
That was a joke. You can laugh. That's okay. I'm not, I don't believe that. I was, I was sat, I'll be sat there. I'll be like tapping the steering wheel. I'll be giving it a few of these. <sighs> Ladies, do you guys do this? Yeah. I'll be doing some of that. I'll be tapping. I might be like, traffic again. Oh, man. Now, I know patience is, is the fruit of the Spirit, but guys, listen. Can I be honest this morning? I struggle in the area of patience. So I'll be frantically looking which way to go. Helen will check the sat-nav and it'll say we're quick, it's quickest to stay in the queue. Which I'll say to Helen is wrong, right? Because I'm a man, I, I think that I have this sense of direction that transcends understanding or even the sat-nav. So like, if I was in the remotest part of Cambodia, I feel like I would know the right turn. That, that's where I'm at. So like, I'll make this move, I'll make a couple of turns, feel like I'm going somewhere... And even if I'm wrong, I'll be like, yeah, this is the right way. <laughs> and then we'll, it'll just take us longer. And we'll get stuck. I'll be more frustrated. And I'll have wasted a lot more fuel as well. So I think as a human race, we're drawn to shortcuts. We love to try and forgo the process to reach the goal. We want overnight success, get-rich-quick schemes, and we take unnecessary and unrealistic risks as we try and shortcut the Success that only the process can bring. So this is never more true than in get quick, fit quick schemes. Has anybody seen Beach Body in two weeks? Like, if that was the case, we'd all look like Stephen, wouldn't we? My my personal favourite. Now this is this is the days where like telemarketing was quite a big thing. You know, going back probably fifteen years. Some of us might remember this, but my favourite is six-pack from your sofa. Uh, And what six-pack from your sofa was, it was this belt that literally gave you an electric shock to stimulate your muscles. Like, what kind of crazy person would have that belt? My father-in-law. You see what I've married into now. He had that belt. On this advert, it was a brilliant advert. There was like these guys that were ripped, you know, these massive bulging six-packs. They were there on the sofa eating crisps, getting this intense six-pack. And he was obviously like, I want some of that. <laughs> the reality is we all know that is complete stupidity. It won't work and it will never happen. But because we want to forego the process, we buy the lie. This is because we know that there's pain in the process. We know that the process can take time. It requires hard work. It requires us to craft uphill habits. So the process means showing up consistently, day in, day out. The process requires us to have stopping power. It requires blood, sweat, and tears. See, shortcuts are cheap. The process demands everything. In this verse we read in Matthew 7, we see Jesus warn us away from shortcuts, from the easy route, from the road that costs nothing. He calls us to something bigger. He calls us to the path less trodden. He calls us to the pain and the cost of the process. But the reward of the pain and cost is a relationship with God that can't be shortcut. The reward is a life that's constant in the storm. It's a life bigger than we could ever live on our own. This is the reward of doing the hard things. 
See, a relationship with God cannot be crafted around your life. A relationship with God, it has to be the main building block of your life. And this is where integrity starts. Integrity starts with a heart that looks to honor God. Integrity starts with a mind that knows his ways best. Integrity starts with an attitude that in every situation puts God first. We're called to be people of integrity. In a world that seems to be losing its grip on morality, we are called to be a people who stand apart and set a different standard. See, it'd be easy to live as the world lives, to go with the flow, to be a byproduct of it. But we're called to God's standard, a holy standard. And that's the life of integrity. So I just want to look at three key areas in which I believe we're to act with integrity. The first one's this, internal integrity. Internal integrity. Matthew 7 verse 28, this is the end of the sermon that Jesus is speaking. It says this, when Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religion teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. The very definition of integrity, it speaks of wholeness and oneness. It speaks of unity. Living a life of integrity means to live a life that is whole. There's one. Now this could seem strange when we're talking about an individual, when we're talking about unity within an individual. But I think when we consider the opposite of integrity, it starts to make sense. See, I believe that the opposite of integrity is hypocrisy. In the verse we just read, we see that the teaching of the religious leaders of the day carried no weight because they were hypocrites. Their lives didn't line up with what they were saying. And Jesus' ministry carried so much weight, it was so powerful because he lived a life of integrity. He lived what he spoke. See, a hypocritical life is one that's not whole, but it's divided. Hypocrisy talks one way and lives another. Hypocrisy asks asks the question, but doesn't live the life. Hypocrisy is a life veiled in falsehood and lies, built upon an insecurity that refuses to reveal who you are. Hypocrisy puts on a show for those around and is malleable, dependent upon the audience. Have you ever been around those people who are completely different, dependent upon the circumstance or the crowd that they're around? I have. That's hypocrisy. So I think that over the years, hypocrisy coupled with judgment has led to people staying away from the church. People haven't been able to be honest about the struggles about the failures and hurts. And instead of being judged, they've had to put on an act. They put on a mask. If you think this is a place where everybody is perfect, I need to tell you, you're misguided. There is no perfect person here. We're all on a journey. We're all trying to get better. And you'll never hear that from this stage. There is no perfect person. I'm not perfect and neither are you. But because of that, we can find freedom together as we walk with God. Our small groups in Arena, they are to facilitate this walking together. 
the places full of imperfect people like you and me, where people are walking together to just follow Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, as we see more of Jesus, we become more like him. And as we become more like him, he helps us with our baggage. See, where it comes, you are, church. You don't have to dress different. You don't have to listen to different music. You don't even have to act different to come here. You can come here just as you are. But we believe in a, in a God who loves you so much that he wants to work with you in your life and turn you back in to who you created uh, you to be. See, people think that God's trying to change them into like these zombies or robots where everybody's the same. It's not the case. Who created you? The Bible says that God formed you in your mother's womb. He made you unique. God's not trying to turn you into someone else. God's trying to turn you back into you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to strip off the baggage that this world's placed upon you. He wants to strip off the hurt. And he says, as you come to me, I'll show you who you are called to be. I want to ask you this morning, is the life you're living hypocritical? Do you change based on the crowd that you're around? Are you one person on the work night out and another in church on Sunday? Are you putting on an act? Do the words you speak line up with the life that you live? Internal integrity doesn't mean that we're perfect or that we never mess up, but it is a life that's determined to honor God. It's living one life openly and honestly, being real about our situation, about our issues, and about where we are. It's a life that's the same in private as it is in public. It's a life that lives what it says. The hypocritical life looks to please people. The life of integrity looks to please God. The next thing is this. Are you still with me? Integrity with others. In Matthew 5, so remember the same sermon. I'm, I'm jumping a bit around this sermon of Jesus, but it's the same sermon just a bit earlier on. Matthew 5, verse 13. Jesus says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, on the face of it, this seems like a, a lovely reprieve, a bit of a break in a, in a sermon that's pretty hard-hitting from Jesus. I think this is probably more due to the way that we've read it than, than the way it was presented. I think it's due to the fact that we've, we've probably, a lot of us in here have heard this passage of Scripture many times over our lives in, in kids' church, in, in school, wherever it may be. You've heard this a lot of times. And I think... As I've heard it preached and as I've thought about this, the interpretation has been more about what we say than the lives we live. We've used this as a verse to motivate people to get out there and tell people about Jesus. And I've got no problem with that. But I think Jesus is talking more about the lives we live than the words that we say. Look at verse 16 again. He says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, Listen, 
that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me break that down for you. What Jesus is saying, that the way you live your life will dictate whether or not those around you glorify God. This is astonishing. It drives home hard. I don't know about in you, but it does in me. See, your life is the greatest evangelical tool that you have. Sorry if you're not from church, that was for the Christians. Let me say it another way. When you live a life of integrity, people will see Jesus through you. When you live a life that's different, when you live a life that honours God, when you live a life that follows God, people will not just hear what you say. People will see Jesus through the way that you live your life. See, we've so let ourselves down at times as Jesus followers. We've had low integrity towards others. We've lied, we've gossiped, we've cheated, we've hurt people. That's not good enough, guys. Jesus here, he talks about soul to light. And on the face of it, it can sound a bit strange. But what he's saying is that you are here to make this world a better place for those around you. Let's just think about it for a second. What does salt do? Well, me being the culinary, culinary mastermind that I am, I know people laugh. The people who know me laugh because I've been cooking for like a year. Um, in the first uh, six years of my marriage, I probably cooked toast twice. So, uh, but what I know is this, is that salt makes everything taste awesome. Like if you come to my house, don't eat for five days afterwards because you're going to be like on, on a register for cardiac arrest, I, I promise you, because there'll be so much salt in your food. Salt makes everything taste awesome. It preserves, it purifies. What does light do? Well, if you've ever been to a remote part of the world, I've had the privilege of uh, going up into the mountains. And at night in the mountains, because there's no light pollution, when it's dark, it's dark. Like you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's that dark. When it's dark, you trip up, you hurt yourself, you go the wrong way, you get lost. Jesus is saying this. You are here to make this uh, to, to light the way to Jesus, to light the way to God, and also to make this place awesome for those people around you. See, our life should be so different that people notice. That people should be astounded by our consistency. They should be amazed by our faithfulness and they should be shocked by our love. They should be coming to you asking why and what is different. See, if the people around you aren't asking why you're different, I think you need to ask yourself, are you different? Now, I'm not saying that this morning there's someone on stage preaching at you. I'm saying it as the first person who's trying to live this myself. I've had the privilege of spending hours in this message having God speak to me. And I'm, I want to live this life of integrity as well. But if people aren't asking us why we're different, maybe we need to ask, are we different? See, the way of Jesus was so different to the way of the world. Becoming the servant instead of the greatest. Laying your life down instead of picking it up. Giving it all up instead of trying to gain it all. The way, the, the way of Jesus is contrary to the way of the world. When it comes to integrity towards others, a few quick questions. Are you a good employee? Do you turn up on time? Do you work hard? Do you honor your employer? Or are you always moaning about your job? 
Do you, do you show up sometimes on time? Do you, you work hard every now and then? Are you trustworthy? Can people take your word as definite? In my job, I deal with a lot of contracts. And contracts are basically there because people lie. And, and also to bring clarity, but mainly because people lie and people change the word to, to benefit them. Our word as followers of Jesus should be as binding as a thousand page contract. People should be able to take your word to the bank. Are you generous with others? Are you, first to get, are you the first to get your wallet out? Are you the first to buy that meal or are you ever waiting for handouts? Do you gossip? You're nice to people's face, but then behind the back, you're pulling them down. Just a few things. See, if our lives are as important to people seeing God as Jesus says, we can't afford to live lives that aren't filled with integrity towards each other. So you've been praying for your friends or your family. And the breakthrough I believe you need might not be in, in them, but in you. As we live with integrity towards others, as we honor God with our lives, as we serve those around us, I'm believing that people are going to flood into this place because they need to see what's different. And finally, but most importantly, we're called to live with integrity towards God. Matthew 7 verse 21, Jesus says this, knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What's required is serious obedience doing what my father wills. I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we we preach the message, we bash the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. Another translation says this, you don't know, he says, I never knew you. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, home over improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. These words of Jesus, they are crystal clear. Don't make God an addition to your life. Build your life on him. God should be the building block. He should be the foundation of our lives. In arena, we use this phrase, God first. And most people in here, I could interview you after the service and say, do you put God first? And I'm sure it would be a resounding yes. But I think if we truly look at our lives, if we analyze our lives, I wonder if we are actually putting God first. How can God be first in our lives when we don't, even have 15 minutes for him in our day? How can God be first in our life when he's not even the second thought after a job, money, family, friends, sport, you put your thing there? I think one of our biggest 
opportunities, opportunities for hypocrisy is in our relationship with God. So you can fool people with Bible verses. You can fool people with, with lofty prayers. You can fool people with looking spiritual, with saying the right thing. But I assure you, you can't fool God. Our lives are called to be centered around and built upon God. He is not an addition. He's not an additional add-on. He's not a side order. He's not something we do with our spare time. He has to be our foundation. He has to be the one we can't wait to be with in the morning. He's the one we walk with throughout the day. He's the one we run to when things get hard. This is what it looks like to live with integrity towards God. See, God isn't calling you to do things for him. That's not what he's calling you to do. He's calling you to know him. He wants to know you. The reason he sent his son to die on this earth was not so that you could be this perfect person who does things for him. That's not why. He sent his son to die and rise again so that he could have a personal relationship with you. Right at the start of the Bible, in Genesis 1, we see that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. What does that mean? It was a walk that had no objective apart from to spend time together. What does God want from you? He wants to walk with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to get away with you. Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are wearied and burdened, and I'll give you rest. There's no rest in your life. I'll tell you exactly why it is. It's because you're trying to do it on your own. Go to God. See, these hard-hitting verses from Jesus, where the people in the story, they're saying all kinds of stuff. We did this and that for you, Jesus. Let me contextualize it. Jesus, we, we went to the prayer meeting. Jesus, we, we did the serve day. Jesus, we went to First Tuesday. Jesus, we were a member of the small groups. And God will say, I never knew you. You can't substitute a relationship with God with anything apart from God himself. Our meetings, our groups, our serving is because of our relationship with God. It's to fuel it. The reason we come on Sunday is because because God called us to be in community and this community pumps me up for the week. That's why we come on a Sunday. We don't come to get God's approval. We come because of God's approval. I don't want anyone in here to get caught up with religion and miss Jesus. Get caught up with Jesus and you will never be the same. The band are just going to come up as I finish. I'm coming to close. But let's look at that, those words again from Jesus in, in verse 26. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in, the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. I love the way that Jesus puts it here. If all we do is hear and don't do, it's useless. It's not hard to listen. It's hard to do. The Bible is not a novel to be read. It's a life manual to be lived out with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
These words of Jesus, the words of God, they are to be lived out day to day. They are to be written on your heart and lived out in your life. My favorite part of my day is in the morning when my kids wake up. A couple of, uh, couple of days ago, maybe a week ago, me and Helen were downstairs and we heard Judah, my little boy, stirring. And we both rushed up to go and see him. I said, babe, let me go wake him up this morning. And I just put my head next to his, looked at him in the eyes and said, hey, morning, love you. I couldn't wait to be with him. Couldn't wait to talk to him. Couldn't wait to hug him. How did you sleep? You okay? Guess what we're doing today? The Bible talks about God as our heavenly father. Abba father, this idea of coming to daddy. God wants you to come to him as daddy. Just to come to him. But I think at times... God's standing there in the morning when we wake up. He wants to see us. Like me as a natural father, God is such a better father than me. He can't wait to see you. He can't wait until you wake up. He can't wait to be with you. He can't wait to walk with you. And we wake up and instead of going to God, we go to our phone. Instead of going to God, we go to the news app or BBC Sport or Instagram or Twitter, whatever your thing is. We get ready. We rush through our day. God's waiting. He just stood there like, are you going to involve me in this? The struggles, the hurts of the day, the the pain and the process of the day. We do it on our own. We come home from work and, and God's like, maybe now's the time that they're just going to spend some time with me. And we rush off into our evening, into our food, into our activities. We go to bed. We throw up a few customary prayers to God and go to sleep and do it all over again. And God's been waiting the whole day. Living with integrity towards God is a life that looks to seek Him. It's a life that looks to walk with Him. A life that looks to be with Him. If you want to honor God, the greatest thing you can honor God with is your time. Why don't you try it this week? Come to Him. First thing in the morning, spend 30 minutes, spend 10 minutes, spend 15 minutes, honor Him, pray. Let him speak to you, speak into your heart. This is living with integrity towards God. I want to ask you this morning, are you living with integrity towards God? Or are you using him to make yourself look better? Do you know him? Does he have access all areas? Is he really first? Let's choose to live with integrity towards God. Guys, this whole thing of integrity, I'm, I'm sure there's something there this morning where you think, I need to get better. And if I'm being honest, all three areas for me, I want to get better in. But let's submit to him. Let's give our lives to him. Everything comes from this relationship with him. If you say this morning, Josh... I want to live with internal integrity. The reality is I'm a bit of a hypocrite. I want to pray for you in a minute. If you say, Joshua, I need to live with integrity towards others. I've not been doing that. If you say, Joshua, I need to put God first again. 
I want to live with integrity towards God. If that's you, I want to pray for you in just a sec. So would you just bow your head and close your eyes? You're not doing that out of prayer. You're doing that to give people the space. But first of all, I want to ask this. If there's anybody in here this morning and you don't know Jesus, I trust you've had a a great morning in church. But there's only one reason we're here and it's because of Jesus. And if you felt something this morning, if you've seen something this morning that you feel is different, I can tell you this. It's not that any of us up here are spectacular. It's that Jesus is great. And you know what? This, that we have Jesus, you can have him too. You can know him too. What does Jesus want to do? He doesn't want to condemn you. I promise you that. He wants to walk with you. He wants to help you with your hurt. He wants, you turn you, he wants to turn you back into you. If you say, Josh, I want to start a relationship with Jesus this morning. If that's you, 1st of July, 2018, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand now. Say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus today. I want to start a relationship with Jesus. Thank you. If you put your hand up, you can put it down. That's great. Is there anyone else this morning? You say, I want to know Jesus. I want to start a relationship with Jesus. God, I thank you for this person who has lifted their hands. You, I don't know the situation, God, but you do. Father, I pray now as he invites you into his heart, God, that you would renew him, that you would turn him back into the person you called him to be before time began. Lord, that he would walk not on his own, but in your ease, God. We honour you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for us to take away all our hurt, all our shame. In your mighty name, amen. Just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. You say, Josh, I've not been living with integrity in one of those areas. You know it. I just ask you to lift your hand. I want to pray a prayer with you. If that's you, say, I need to live with integrity towards others. I want to live with internal integrity. or I want to live with integrity towards God. Just lift your hand now. His hand's going up. I'm not looking around. I'm not taking names. You just lift your hands. This is between you and God, not you and me. His hand's still going up, so I'm going to give you a second. I know it's not easy to lift your hand something like this. Great, you can put your hands down. But if everyone could just have their hearts open while I pray this prayer. God, for every single person who lifted their hands and those who didn't have the boldness to do so, God, I pray you would help us live lives of integrity. God, where we've been hypocrites. God, where we've lived one one way on a Sunday and lived another on a Monday. God, I pray you would help us to be bold. I pray you would help us to be courageous, Jesus. I I pray, God, that you would give us the... the, um, just the ease of your spirit, God, to live that one life with you. Lord, where people haven't lived with integrity towards others, where they've struggled with gossip, where they've struggled with, um, with hurting people or with being mean to people, God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would bring your Holy Spirit and you would help people live lives with integrity towards others. God, in many of us, I, th- I would be bold enough to say probably all of us in this room at some point have not lived with integrity t- towards you. I pray, God, we would live lives of integrity towards you, God. That saying God first wouldn't just be a mantra we say, but it would be a life that we live. God, that we would seek you. 
that we wouldn't try and do it on our own, in our own strength, God, but we would come to you and we would just walk with you and we'd live this life together with you. Lord, we honor you and we love you. In your mighty name, amen.